Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Next Thursday, May 17th, join me, the Detroit Today team, and other WDET listeners at the Detroit City Distillery for smart conversations on politics, policies, news, and issues that matter to you. We are going to talk about regional transit. We'll talk about education, this year's race for governor, and we'll get to some national topics as well. You're going to lead the conversation on topics that matter to you and tell us what things you want us to concentrate when we go north for the Mackinac Policy Conference at the end of May. What do you want us to cover while we're up there? That's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. on Thursday, May 17th at the Detroit City Distillery. For more info, go to WDET.org slash events. Up first today, baseball has long been thought of as America's national pastime, but with a lot of young athletes, especially young African-Americans, now choosing to play basketball or football instead of baseball, is that still actually the case? This year, only about 8% of black players on a major league baseball roster are from the United States or Canada. In Metro Detroit, three high school players are hoping to change that. William English of Detroit Western, Bryce Bush of Warren D. LaSalle, and Birmingham Detroit Country Days, John Malcolm, are all African-American players having standout seasons, and they have all signed on to play Division I college ball. A recent article in the Detroit Free Press by Mick McCabe features these three players and looks at their success on the baseball diamond in relation to the low numbers of African-American participation in baseball. John Malcolm of Country Day and Bryce Bush of Warren D. LaSalle join us to talk about their decisions to continue playing baseball at Vanderbilt University and Mississippi State and what it was like to grow up playing with and against players that for the most part didn't look like them. Bryce Bush, welcome to Detroit Today. I'm happy to be here. Mm -hmm. And John Malcolm, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, l- let's start with this decision to play uh, college ball, which which means it sort of puts you in a position to maybe play pro someday. Uh, as I said in the open, increasingly we see African-American kids not making uh, that kind of decision when it comes to sports. I'd love for both of you to talk to me about the decision to play baseball, when it when it came to you, what you love about the sport and, and why you chose it as the thing uh, that you want to do going forward. We'll start with you, Bryce Bush. Well, uh, well baseball, it runs in our family. So uh, my granddad played baseball, my uncle, my dad. And uh, it just kind of runs in the family. We all love to play baseball. So that's how <laughs> it all started. Uh-huh. Did you ever yeah. play other sports, Bryce? Uh, yeah, I played basketball, too. And that was it. And, and and what made you what made you choose baseball over basketball? I mean, were you were you ever tempted to say, well, you know, I want to play I want to play basketball at the collegiate level? Well, no, not really. No, <laughs> I mean baseball. I was always that was always my number one sport. I was always better at it. I thought it was more fun, and I worked the hardest at it. So I was like, I'm just going to keep playing. So yeah. Yeah. John Malcolm, uh, what about you? What attracted you to baseball rather than other sports? Um, just the fact that it's kind of like one versus nine. And, you know, <laughs> it's like it's different than all the other sports, you know, where you can kind of like hide behind a teammate or rely on other people. You know, baseball, it's, it's like one-on-one, you know, like the best stands out. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when did you start playing, both of you? Bryce, when did you start playing baseball? Oh, well, my dad had it bad in my hand at the age of three. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but, but and, and talk about, uh, I'm not sure exactly where you live, but talk about the opportunities to play uh, baseball as a, young, as a young kid here in, in Metro Detroit. Where did you, where did you find well, the first organized opportunity, for instance? Well, I grew up around Detroit, but uh, my first time like, finding organized baseball, I was about seven. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty tough because back then we didn't really, I mean, we still don't have much money. So, you know, mm-hmm. baseball is expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the hard part, but somehow my parents made it happen. So. And and when you were in Detroit, uh, were you playing PAL baseball or were there other opportunities? No, I played uh, uh, a few uh, rec and I played travel at seven with the uh, hit dogs. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. John Malcolm, what about what about you? Uh, how early were you playing baseball? Um. So I lived in a community where. Like, we kind of did all the sports. So we did, like, basketball, baseball, soccer, tennis, you know. So, like, me and my friends, we did, you know, all of them. And so I guess baseball kind of stood out. And, yeah. Uh, talk about where you played organized ball, though, the first time. Was it uh, was it through PAL somewhere in the city? Was it, was it somewhere um, else? Yeah, I actually did play in the PAL League, but just for one year. Mm-hmm. And then I you know, progress to travel. But, yeah, it was it was interesting going from PAL to travel. It was different. It was different. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, talk about uh, your experiences uh, on the field. Uh, talk about yourselves as players. Uh, what do you bring to a team? Bryce, What uh, talk about the position you play, uh, how you bat, that sort of thing. Well, i uh, always played uh, – third base and shortstop my entire life. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, in the order, usually around three, two or three. So, uh, yeah, usually bring uh, leadership towards the team because, uh, you know, I got a pretty good work ethic told mm-hmm. by many of my coaches. So that's mm-hmm. usually the, the position they put me in for every team that I play for. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, were there, were there third basemen and shortstops who you sort of looked to, uh, sort of styled oh, yeah. your, your fielding yeah. Ag- yeah. after? Always uh, love Alex Rodriguez. Yeah? Him <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Cabrera, because he used to be at third. He used to be at third, right, yeah. Uh, John now Mal- yeah, go ahead, I'm Brian. looking at uh, Machado a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, my my favorite uh, third baseman was always Tom Brookins because uh, <laughs> that's who played over there uh, when I was a kid here <laughs> in Detroit. Um, uh, John Malcolm, uh, what position do you play? And uh, talk about what kind of player you are. Yeah, I play first base corner outfield. And I think uh, I bring versatility to the field. Like I'm able to hit for power and average. Mm-hmm. And I'm also able to play, you know, first base. And outfield, you know, a lot of people say first base, you know, isn't where like the athletes play, you know, but I'm able to, you know, bring the athleticism to first base, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. yeah. But as far as like who I model my game after, uh, you know, I've never like really had one person that I just look at to model my game after. I kind of like pick 
like bits and pieces from a lot of different players. Huh. Yeah. Can you so. can you tell us about some of them? Uh, I like Ryan Howard. Mm-hmm. I like the the looseness of his swing. You know, he also plays first base, African American. You know, Ken Griffey Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the great left-handed hitters. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I want both of you to talk some about what you're <clears throat> looking forward to at the next uh, level. Uh, Bryce Bush, you're going to uh, Mississippi State in, in yeah. the fall. Talk about how you made that choice and uh, what you expect to find when you get down there. Well, I made that choice. Uh, I mean, for some reason, always, like for college, I always loved uh, Mississippi State and Florida State. And uh, well, my first offer was actually from Florida State. But then uh, Mississippi State, it gave me an offer. I could not, I couldn't really refuse. So, and plus Mississippi State, that was like the best baseball environment for college baseball that I ever been to. Oh. Like you go down there, it's just everybody loves baseball. Yeah, uh, plus, SEC baseball is is a little different than uh, than some other conferences, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, it's probably the toughest out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Malcolm, you are going to uh, Vanderbilt in, yes, sir. in Nashville. Uh, talk to us about how you made that choice and uh, what you're expecting at the next level. Yeah, so I never really, like, Vanderbilt was never really on my list. Like, I never really had a list. You know, like, a lot of kids, like, they always wanted to go someplace when they were younger. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I never really had anything like that. So when I started to get, like, college offers and, like, requests for visits and stuff, what stood out about about Vanderbilt was that like, it was more like a, a family. It wasn't like it was like my first time there. I felt like I was a part of the team. Uh huh. Yeah. So it just stood out and and, yeah. and 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 talk about what you expect uh, in terms of uh, professional opportunities. Is that is that the goal for both of you to make it to Major League Baseball at some level, Bryce? Um. Well, yeah. That's my primary goal for right now. Uh, whichever route it goes, uh, college, the draft, either way, that's the uh, main goal for right now. Yeah, yeah. What about you, uh, John? Yeah, that's the main goal. That's the main goal. That's the reason why we play. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Bryce Bush, uh, senior baseball player at Birmingham Detroit Country Day, signed to play at, uh, I'm sorry, a senior baseball player at Warren De La Salle, signed to play at Mississippi State University. John Malcolm, senior baseball player at Birmingham Detroit Country Day, signed to play at Vanderbilt University. Both of you, thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Yep, thanks for having me. Yep, mm-hmm. thank you. Up next, we're going to talk with Grand Valley State Professor Lewis Moore about African-American representation in baseball and how it has changed over the years. And don't forget, if you have to miss out on today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today and listen whenever you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET provides trusted news, inclusive conversations, and cultural experiences that empower the community. 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station.
You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. African-American representation in professional baseball has been declining for a few decades. Last season, African-Americans on MLB rosters was at its lowest number since 1958, just a decade after black players were allowed to play in the league. This year, the MLB has reportedly seen a slight uptick in African-Americans on rosters from 7.1% to 7.8%, but that's far off the mark of representation. The league says it would like to see closer to 20% is what they are shooting for. Why have we seen the decline in African-American baseball players? And could baseball find new interest in black communities as popularity could wane for more violent and dangerous sports like football. Joining us to talk more about blacks and baseball is Lewis Moore, an associate professor of history at Grand Valley State University who specializes in African-American history, sports history, and gender history. Lewis Moore, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah. So why do we see fewer African-American players on professional teams. We still see a lot of black players, but they are often from Central and South America. What is going on in this country that's not producing black baseball players? Well, I think two of the main reasons are access and academies. Access in the in the context of it costs a lot of money today to play baseball between the bat and, and the gear, but also you have to have a lot of these players get specialized hitting coach, get specialized pitching coach, and then the amount of travel ball that goes on. So when we're coming up in, in like the peak of baseball, black ball in the 80s and early 90s, you know, you make your little league team, and if you make your all-star team, you travel. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, there's a lot of travel, and it costs a lot of money. And the other part that you bring up about like Central America and South America is that baseball since the early 80s have, has been heavily invested in those areas. They, they've developed academies in the Dominican Republic, in Venezuela, and you don't see that amount of investment in the inner cities. Yeah. Why is that true? What, what's the reason to go and create a baseball academy in the Dominican Republic, for instance, and not do that in inner cities, Chicago or Baltimore or Detroit? I just think it's just money. It's cheaper. Uh, it's a lot cheaper to build that academy in, in the Dominican Republic versus, you know, Chicago. And it's not to say that baseball doesn't have the RBI program, so we revitalize baseball in inner cities, but they just don't put the amount of money there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing is that they, my guess is they expected, like, high schools and communities to take care of that, which had been the case in the past. But, you know, starting to get to the 70s and 80s when we de-invest in, in our education system, that just also means that there's not a lot of opportunities for these players to play baseball. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, talk about what uh, what has changed in the racial makeup uh, of, of the MLB uh, over time. I mean, like, like I said, 1958 uh, is one of the early years in the league and, and a peak year uh, in terms of uh, the number of, of, of black players. But uh, what, what what's changed over time uh, in terms of that makeup? Well, you know, that first generation, that post-Jackie Robinson generation, I think, you know, there's two things that's going on. One, they're influenced by all those Negro League stars that they got to see, you know, every day or every weekend in their community. And two, they're influenced by Jackie Robinson, who's, you know, the most popular black athlete in all America for, for a long time. And then Willie Mays takes that mantle. 
Um, and, and I think you get a, a decline with that. Um, if we look at, like, say, the 1980s, where, where it peaks almost to 20%, those black baseball stars, Eric Davis, Daryl Strawberry, Doc Good, and Bo Jackson, <laughs> right? Davis and Bo Jackson have major injuries. Doc Good and Daryl Strawberry have addiction problems. And then they have to compete with basketball, who has Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, you know, Dominique Wilkins, Isaiah Thomas, all these stars that I think younger black kids start to gravitate towards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Lewis Moore, an associate professor of history at Grand Valley State University who specializes in African-American history, sports history, and gender history. We are talking about baseball and race, the low numbers of African-American baseball players in the major leagues. Uh, it's it's uh, declined over time. Uh, it's a, up just a little bit. Uh, this year and, and in, in some recent years, but uh, the league says it wants 20% of the players to be uh, African-American. It's now at 7.8%. Uh, give us a call if you want to join the conversation. Tell us what you think about youth baseball in places like Detroit, uh, the kind of thing that would maybe create more opportunities for African-American kids to become major league players. Do you have experience with those leagues? Do you have experience with trying to find opportunity for young black kids to play uh, baseball? Also, if you live in the suburbs, uh, tell us what the experience is out there for uh, opportunities to play uh, competitive baseball uh, in a way that would uh, develop a young person into a potential major league player. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we will work your comments into the conversation. Also, tell us what you think of the black presence in Major League Baseball. Is that a reason you watch? Is it a reason maybe you don't watch? You don't think there are enough uh, African-American players in uh, the major leagues. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Lewis Moore, uh, I, I want to talk about what does go on in, in uh, inner cities like, uh, like Detroit, the opportunities that do exist uh, for, for African-American kids to learn, to, to learn the game and then get good enough uh, to be potential major leaguers, uh, is that changing as well? Is, is there more opportunity opening up to try to to get more uh, opportunity for these these kids? Yeah, and I, and I think it's interesting that you bring up Detroit. I, I want to go back real quick and mm-hmm. just mention that you have these high school players, and I think one of the coolest things is the first black high school player signed to a major league team is actually from Detroit. Sammy G, he went to uh, Miller Miller High, 1947. Wow, yeah. Uh, so just <laughs> want to throw that, that fact out there. But, yeah, uh, baseball is, is becoming more invested. Uh, you have, like I mentioned before, RBI, which is revitalized baseball in inner cities, which they started in, I believe, the early 90s, you know, kind of this kind of post Rodney King riot stuff. And, and baseball players back in the day were, were heavily invested in that. Um, you also have major league teams like, you know, someone like the Chicago White Sox who, who, who sponsor these travel teams. As I mentioned earlier, the access and how much money it costs. Mm-hmm. Um, these, 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 all these teams need to start doing that, sponsoring a local team. So I don't know if the Tigers do it or not, but they should be funding money for the, 
these kids to travel and play all summer. Um, and, and that would help uh, tremendously, right? Uh-huh. If you could get them to the tournament, if you could supply them travel, lodging, all the equipment, that's how you're going to get from 7% to 20%. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about schools? I mean, as you point out, the first uh, black player signed from a high school was signed from Miller High uh, here in the city of Detroit. Schools, you know, don't have as uh, big a sports programs as they used to. Uh, is that another place, though, that we ought to be trying to figure out ways to get kids involved? Yeah, and, and that's the tough part. Um, whenever I look at black newspapers, whether it's like the Michigan Chronicle or St. Louis Argus, and, and you go back in the days to the 40s and 50s and they start talking about high school sports, one of the things that always comes up is lack of space, lack of equipment. And so that problems have always been there for, for these kids. Right? Yeah. Where do they practice? Where do they play? Um, or you'll talk to a lot of older black gentlemen who will say, you're right, you know, we didn't have a field to play on. I would love to play baseball. I just didn't have that opportunity. And if we don't start investing in these high schools now, um, then we're in trouble. The problem with baseball is that, you know, it's the space that you need and the amount of players that you need. So you're going to have to start early, like yeah. invested in little leagues too. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I can remember as a kid uh, growing up here in Detroit, which, you know, 70s and 80s, a, a, a different era where there was more investment in athletic opportunities for kids, um, I, I have to say that one of the things I remember is that it was so hard to get enough people to play baseball, right? Like uh, there were there were baseball diamonds near uh, basketball courts and tennis courts, uh, but but you needed uh, at, at least eighteen kids uh, <laughs> to, to actually play an actual game, and so uh, it, it was one of those sports that. Um, that just didn't, you know, it didn't have as many people uh, doing it because you couldn't do it. Uh, you couldn't do it by yourself. Uh, and I wonder, I wonder if that's part of what what drives the the dearth of, of of black players too. Right, and I think you're right. That's that's part of it. Um, like, if you want to go play basketball, you go and shoot hoops by yourself, right? right? Or if you want to play football, you could you just need another person that to, to talk, you know throw the ball to or get a couple guys who, who want to play football and, and work on their moves. But baseball, you need a lot. You need the bats, you need the balls, you need the gloves, and you also need the manpower. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that, that changes it because there are these kids are interested in uh, basketball, they're interested in football, and, and you know that's where they're going. So it's really hard to, to get a game together and, and work on your skills as, as we did in the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we talk about travel baseball and the costs of it, I'm I'm also reminded of things like travel soccer, right? I mean, that's that's sort of a a, a common issue across sports. Uh, I feel like right now is that uh, the kids who are really good, the kids who might have potential to play at the collegiate or the professional level, are are expected to do travel. Uh, and and it's not just it's not just baseball. I mean, that's leaving kids behind. I think in a lot of sports, right? Soccer, volleyball for in Michigan for for girls and women. Volleyball is very expensive. Lacrosse for both women and girls are very expensive. Um, hockey is very expensive, right? So mm-hmm. black athletes, young black athletes, are getting left behind in these sports just because of the way American sports work, where mm-hmm. we want to you know not only pay for the personal coach, but 
who want to do all this travel during the summer and and these tournaments cost a lot of money and and a lot of these parents have to make choices and you know sending your kid to that tournament in indianapolis for the weekend that's you know a lot of people just can't do that they just don't have the money yeah uh, again uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019 we're talking about baseball and black participation in baseball uh, you can also go to the wdet facebook page put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to David in Bloomfield Hills. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks so much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. I love the show. Sure, thanks. Uh, I, I get discouraged when I hear about uh, dollars being spent and emphasis being placed on, um, on athletics in, in school versus education. Uh, my experience has been that so few kids end up making a living from sports, yet the emphasis continues, I think particularly in African-American communities, the emphasis continues to be, let's let's improve the sports programs, let's get more kids involved. Hmm. I think sports are great, I love sports, I think they add a tremendous amount of value to people's lives, but I think the primary emphasis for children should be to get an education, a solid education, if they're great at sports, additionally, that's wonderful, mm. and perhaps that will increase the percent of, uh, of African Americans in Major League Baseball. But I really think that the conversation should be about education and not about athletics. Yeah, David, thanks very much for the call and and the comments. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm not sure I agree entirely. I I, I, I kind of feel like. Uh, Part of what we're talking about here is opportunity, right? Uh, the ability for kids to to you know practice a sport and get good enough uh, to do it, even at the collegiate level. And maybe if you're not going to go pro, but the experience of college sports um, is pretty important and meaningful uh, to people. But but the other part is uh, just participation. I think is is important. Uh, the idea of of athletics. But but Lewis Moore, I'll, I'll, I'll let you address that that question as well what about this this question of pushing uh, black kids to sports rather than school which you know is 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 an issue as well um right and and i think i think sometimes we get too wrapped up in this idea that you know we only black black americans only play sports just because we're trying to get to the pro but (laughs) but the reality is is that there are a lot of great qualities about sports right and 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 I think you pushed on it's about health, it's about camaraderie. And, and when we talk about education is, you know, you give these kids something, right? You know, if you set the bar at like a 2.5 or a 2.6, right, or let's say hopefully a 3.0 to participate in sports, mm-hmm. now you're setting this kid up for college. You gave them something to, to want to come to, and we know that dropout rates are really high, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, having a great sports program, like, creates, a, 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 I think, a a better community, right? Something that the community can rally around, but also something that the student can look forward to. Um, and I think sports sets you up for life, um, you know, when it comes to these things about choices, about discipline, about, you know, how do you handle adult authority? How do you handle adversity, right? This is why we like sports in America. And when we defund these in schools, we're taking this away from these kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, David, thanks very much uh, for the call uh, and the comments. Uh, let's go to Donald in Detroit. Donald, welcome to Detroit hey. today. Hey, hi. How are hey. you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh-huh. Go ahead, Donald. Uh, okay. Well, I was just 
my thought process is just a little bit different. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the blame is, is on the source. Source is Major League Baseball. You know, they say, well, you know, we, we can't get enough qualified uh, uh, players in the inner city, so we have to go and, and get these more polished players. I mean, I beg you different. You know, that's, that's college talking. You know, college teams have to win immediately. So, yeah, they need to go find polished ball players. Major League Baseball, you remember, they have a minor league system. So it's, it's based more on potential. Uh-huh. You know, if I run a 6-3-60, I have a good arm, good hand-eye coordination. You know, you just be able to grab me, put me in, a, in that minor league system, and then have me work my skills to where I'm able to play, you know, Major League Baseball. You know, minor league baseball is not about winning per se. Minor league baseball is about getting players to play Major League Baseball. Right, right. So, so when you say, well, you know, we can't find enough qualified ball players, really, you know, you, when you're grabbing these amateur ball players, they're not ready for Major League Baseball immediately anyway. Right, right. So, so if I have skills, natural skills, I can run. And we know we can find that in the inner city. You know, I may have a stronger. And it's been that way for, for, for years. You go back in the, the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, it ain't nothing changed. You know, <laughs> you know, generation after generation, you have players with, 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 with abilities and potential. The difference is Major League Baseball has, has shifted to I need more polished, you know, players or right. potential. Yeah. And then you, you get these polished uh, uh, players, you put them in a the minor league, and they still have to be what? <laughs> We can blame a lot of different things on why we don't have a percentage of, 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 of major league uh, uh, participation with, the, with the, uh, the black ball players. You know, you, you could change it overnight. Yeah, uh, Donald, uh, thanks very much for the call and the thoughts uh, and the thoughts there. Uh, Lewis Moore, I'll give you a chance to respond to what he's saying. Is this a problem? that is caused by uh, the MLB and its interest in making money. I mean, as we talked about earlier, right, having academies in the DR where, where it's cheaper for them, and that's what they're doing. They're investing in talent, and a lot of these guys don't make it. Um, but I also think we have to consider when we're asking these young kids to go through the minor league system how, how hard it is, and, and, and these guys don't get paid. I believe baseball, what, a couple months ago, it was out there that, you know, a lot of these minor league players, make below minimum wage, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, if you're part of the Detroit system, you have to come out here at Grand Rapids, play for the Whitecaps, live in someone's house, right, four to a room, take a side job. Um, And for a lot of kids, it's just not appealing. Um, And also the even college level, I mean, if we're looking at it versus basketball or or football, I believe a baseball team only gets like 13 scholarships, right? Mm -hmm. You've got like 25, 30 on the team, and so you're splitting book money. So it'd be interesting to see what those two kids got. I I know they can't really say because they got teammates not getting the same scholarship. You know, the kids who went to Vanderbilt and the kid who went to uh, Mississippi State because, you know, basketball, you get 13 scholarships. That means everybody gets it, right? Right. Football, you get 85 scholarships, but baseball is 13. It's 13. And so the model just has to change, right, from from minor league, paying them more money, giving them opportunities, not you know, and, and in college too, if you're going to really want to build this up to 20%. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Lewis Moore, Associate Professor of History at Grand Valley State University, specializes in African-American history, sports history, and gender history. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. All right. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Up next, we're going to talk about a new opera coming to Detroit this week that explores the life and career of Negro League baseball legend Josh Gibson. Stay with us on Detroit Today.